So I've often wondered, you know, why we put so much emphasis on black cats? I mean, especially at Halloween. What is it that makes them the the go-to for spooky during this season? And, you know, and what makes them the the poster children of sorts for all things bad luck in our culture? I mean, really, aren't all cats temperamental little buggers that drive you mad all year long? And I've made the joke numerous times with my wife about how a cat thinks. It's, pet me, don't pet me, no, pet me again, let me bite you. And then the dang thing runs away like the devil himself is chasing it. I mean, cats are just plain weird to me. They always have been. Now, I'm not disparaging cat owners, not at all. I mean, a cat is just not my pet of choice. And as strange as they act at times... Really, temperamental and weird are not really a resume for their significance at Halloween or at any other time of the year, for that matter. You know, but their prominence in history has seen some very high and exalted times, and it's seen some very dark times as well. And unfortunately for the cat, it's the dark times that have given them a place in the lineup of go-to Halloween traditions. So on this episode, we're going to explore some of the history and some of the legend about black cats and their place in the Halloween season. So stick around. We'll be right back. Welcome to another episode of the Bearded Guy podcast. Admittedly, I'm not a cat person, but, you know, we've owned a few at various times in in my life. And growing up, it seemed like there was always a cat around the house, whether it belonged to us or not. And as a child, I paid little to no attention to them other than the brief pat on the head or, you know, those rare instances when one would make its way into my favor, you know, and hang around for a little bit longer to be petted. Usually that ended up with a dang thing biting me and then running off at full speed. You know, but as a pet, cats are pretty much self-contained. You really don't have to walk them or play fetch with them. You know, and if if it were a house cat, you know, they could go to the bathroom without you needing to be present for that spectacle. They don't really need much attention at all. That is, until they want it. And then they drive you nuts, always getting in the way. They're always under your foot or in your lap. And I guess for those that are cat people, this is the payoff for bringing them into their homes. You know, a cat actually showing its owner some attention. That's unheard of. You know, the timeline, though, on how and when we became uh, to cohabitate with these crazy little beasts goes back a long way in history. And no one can really put a definitive timeline on that, but it's estimated that approximately four to 10,000 years ago, we domesticated the cat. But, you know, given the cat's nature, I would venture to say that they domesticated us. I mean, does anyone really own a cat, or is it the other way around? And there are many different types of cats roaming around this rock we call home, you know, and they're really just as varied as the people that inhabit the planet. I mean, you could literally pick out the breed that suits your fancy, your temperament, your activity level, on and on and on, and much like everything else, people have their favorite and choice when picking one of these four-legged terrors. And even though I'm not a cat person, there's one that always sticks out in my mind. And if I did want to take the plunge and own a cat, the one that I would own would be the cat from Pet Cemetery. Now, spoiler alert, if you've not seen the new release of Pet Cemetery, the old one's better. I'm just saying. And really, the only redeeming quality of the remake is that the cat featured in the new adaptation was just as creepy as the original. 
you know, not more so. So if you saw the original or the remake, there's no way you couldn't remember Church. The use of this character in the film went a long way to add to the creepy vibe and feel of the movie. And even though he wasn't a black cat, you know, it was the casting and the way the scenes were filmed that, for me at least, have solidified it as a go-to movie during the Halloween season. Now, I'm sure most people were creeped out to hear that low, menacing growl and see its glowing eyes and that look that I've got a whole bunch of evil with your name on it look especially after it made its way back from the sour ground of the Indian burial sites. And strangely enough, I never thought to question what type of cat this actually was. So I poked around on the internet a bit and found out that the breed of cat that has immortalized this image for me is a fairly common breed and was also the inspiration for the Cheshire Cat in Alice in Wonderland. It's a British short hair for those that want to know. And I think I associate this cat with Halloween even more so than black cats. Now, I'm sure it's because of the movie, but it has solidified that image of terror in my mind. Now, there's an interesting side note about the movie Pet Cemetery. Stephen King actually lived near a road with heavy truck traffic, and his daughter's cat was actually killed in that dreaded road. Now, where did he bury that cat? Of course, in the pet cemetery behind the rented house that he occupied at the time. And sometime after the burial of her cat, he was figuring out a way to tell his daughter what had happened. And that's where the idea of the story came to him. And of course, one thought leads to another and another. And eventually this novel emerged and has become a classic to this very day. So if you've not seen the movie Pet Cemetery, go get that one to watch. It's a good one. You'll enjoy it and you'll really be creeped out by it. Just an overall scary vibe for the Halloween season. So maybe a British short hair is not the breed of choice for you as a cat owner. Well, don't worry. I mean, there's plenty to choose from. I mean, there's Siberian, there's Russian blues, there's Siamese, chinchilla cats, Devon Rex cats. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And according to TICA, the International Cat Association, there are 71 recognized breeds of cats. Now, when you start splitting hairs, no pun intended, about the subject, the number of actual cat breeds varies between each different association. But the point to this is, you could literally find any breed of cat that suits you. But what about the common variety black cats that you see roaming about on a regular basis? What makes them a Halloween variety of cat? And the cat to, to go to during this time of season? I mean, there's got to be something magical and special about a black cat that's a cut above the rest. You know, in a nutshell, nothing really. They are, after all, just cats that happen to have been born under a bad sign, so to speak. I mean, sorry for the letdown, but you see, it's not the cat itself, but it's the association with old world legend and lore that has given it its standing in our celebrated traditions of Halloween. Now, after this short break, we're going to get into a little bit more of the history of the cat and how it became known as the go-to for our Halloween traditions. So stick around. We'll be right back. So you have an idea for a podcast, but you don't know where to begin to make your dream podcast a reality. Well, there is a way to get your idea out to a listening audience. It's fast, simple, and it's one-stop shopping for all of your podcasting needs. It's anchor.fm. Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. And Anchor gives you everything you need in one place for free, which you can use right from your phone or computer. 
No fancy software needed. Anchor's creation tools allow you to record and edit your podcast so that your end result is professional sounding and ready to share with the world. Also, at no cost to you, they'll distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard everywhere. Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and more. Also, you can easily make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. You're listening to the Bearded Guy Podcast. So welcome back, everybody. So now we're going to look at a little bit of the history of the cat, and we're going to figure out how it became the go-to for Halloween. You know, cats were actually worshipped and celebrated by the ancient Egyptians, and they even had a deity that was the body of a woman and the head of a cat called Bastet. Now, they were held in such high regard that they were treated as being actually a part of or an extension of Bastet herself. And anyone who brought harm upon a cat during this time was considered a serious offense. And, of course, the cats had a pretty sweet life during the time of the early Egyptians. It was a life of luxury, high standing, and idolization. Now, there are even accounts of cats being found mummified in tombs of Egyptian rulers of the time. And that was a pretty high honor when you were mummified with an Egyptian ruler. But now you fast forward a little bit through history, and we see that the previous high standing of our four-legged friend has waned a bit. And over the course of time, people had an on-again, off-again relationship with the creatures. In actuality, it was the druids that believed the cats were of the devil, and that any time you came into the presence of a cat, you were not far from an audience with Satan. You know, they even believed in what was called a cat Sith. Now, a Sith has its place in Celtic mythology as a large creature resembling a cat with black fur and white spots on its chest. Now, early in history, uh, before science could explain away the mysteries and shed light on unexplainable events, people placed a good bit of stock in spirits, fairies, and creatures of the realm beyond what we can see. And the cat, it seems, was no exception to this rule. They were associated with a magical world because it was believed that they were other beings or creatures that took the form of a cat. And as a side effect to this belief, people feared them greatly. And you look in history and there are stories of cats being burned in fires to do away with the entity that took up the residence in the form of the cat. Now let's fast forward a little bit more to the Middle Ages and the roots of black cats being hand in hand with the evil grow even deeper. And during this time of spiritual enlightenment, the good people of the world began a quest to rid itself of the evil among them. And the evil to be dispensed of was, of course, witches. And sadly, because of ignorance, black cats were without question associated with witches and the practice of witchcraft. Now, this was a dark time in our history as humans. You know, during the Middle Ages, when the good Christians of the time thought it proper to do the work of the Lord, you know, and cleanse the world of those that were outside of what what was known as Christianity proper. There was a long and horrific campaign to do away with anyone considered to be a witch. They were considered to be of the devil. Witches and practitioners of witchcraft were not high on the human value scale. And it was considered a moral imperative that these evil creatures be dealt with. It was really just a matter of fear and frenzy that fueled the deeds of people at the time. And even if you weren't actually practicing witchcraft or were an actual witch, it only took one accusation of doing something that seemed odd and out of character And you could be tried and in some cases put to death for something you didn't do. 
You know, it's approximated that in excess of 30,000 people were tried, convicted, or even put to death during the European campaign to rid the world of the devil's servants. In reality, this was only one of the many dark times in history when we did terrible things to others, all in the name of all that's holy. And if you were tried and found guilty of witchcraft at the time, you could have been burned at the stake, you could have been hanged, or you could have been drowned for your transgressions and unholy lifestyle. So where do black cats fit into this narrative? You know, unfortunately for black cats, they were wrongly associated with and have become the poster children for all things witchcraft during this time. And it would be so easy to make that association if you take into account the heightened frenzy and hysteria surrounding witches of that time period. Now, we all know certain characteristics of any cat make them peculiar and odd to anyone. I mean, I think they're just weird. They're nocturnal by nature, and they go prowling around in the night, and that's just normal for them. However, nothing good happens under the veil of darkness, because we all know the devil does his bidding in the dead of night. Now, picture yourself wandering around in the dark during this time period, when all the talk and gossip centers around witches and witchcraft. You're stumbling around in the dark, and your path is dimly lit by a torch or a lantern, and all of a sudden, you happen to wander up on... A black cat. And with your dimly lit torch, you see the black cat and its black fur blends into the darkened surroundings and those glowing yellow eyes blinking back at you in the darkness. Now, oddly enough, I think that would give anyone a fright, even to this day. And if not a fright, at the very least, a cold chill down your spine. You know, there's something very frightening about eyes peering back at you from the darkness. And even though rational sense tells you what it is, It doesn't tell you exactly what's looking back at you. You know, at the time, you know, during the Middle Ages, I'm sure most people didn't take into account that, you know, light reflected off an animal's eyes, not just a cat, gives that eerie glow. I mean, that's how they see in the dark because they can take in so much light. And anytime light is shine, you know, shines on their eyes, it reflects back. So I can understand how people would take that and say that that would be, oh, that is of the devil. Look at those eyes. You know, also at this time, the cats were considered to be a witch's familiar or even a witch that had transformed herself into a cat. And in the eyes of the good Christian folk, they were evil and of the devil. There's no question about it. Of course, any cat could be a a witch's partner in crime to do the devil's bidding. But it was the black cat that really carried that burden. And it's simply based on genetic characteristics alone. You know, in the time of the witch hunts, many women and a large number of cats were put to death based on superstitious beliefs that they were the embodiment of all things evil in the world. It's really funny to me how the fear of the unknown has its way of making us believe the unbelievable or dreaming up fantasies that have no basis in reality. I believe it's a defense mechanism to ease our troubled minds about something we either can't explain or we don't easily understand. You know, sadly, it's, it's never been uh, more true than it is with this part of our history. Because of fear, people created the great myth that cats were the familiars of witches, and their duties were to carry out the evil orders that were handed out by the dark side and Satan himself. And because of this early belief and association, black cats in particular have become the embodiment of all things Halloween and spooky. 
Now, as a part of the Halloween series that we've been doing here on the Bearded Guy podcast, I've been asking you, the listening audience, to send in your spooky or scary stories to be a part of this Halloween series and your story to be read on one of the episodes. Now, this story sent in to me by Tiffany is dealing with the Ouija board. Now, I want to make a disclaimer here. I do not repeat, do not encourage anyone to use or try a Ouija board. There are things in this world that we just don't understand, and some things are better left undone. And this is one of those, thi- one of those things. Now, with that being said, here is the story. It's been quite a while since I've thought about all these things, but here's a run-through of the most memorable paranormal events that happened, you know, at my mom and dad's house after I played with the Ouija board and how it all began. It started at my friend Jacqueline's house when I was in sixth grade. Now, Jacqueline lived in a neighborhood that had kind of a reputation for being haunted. And that was where my Ouija board experience began. You know, we were bored one afternoon, and I had spent the night there. And Jacqueline had been telling me about how she thought there was a ghost in her house. And I thought she was just trying to mess with me, but her house did give some creepy vibes. And she asked if I, if I had ever used a Ouija board. And I, of course, said no, because Mom warned me about them many, many times. But she talked me into it, and I really didn't think uh, much would come out of it. Now, she didn't have an actual board, so she suggested that we make one out of some poster board that she had. And we tried to duplicate it, and it had all the letters of the alphabet and a yes and a no spot. And we used a clear plastic cup as our planchette. And I was skeptical of this because I thought she was full of it. And so I was watching her like a hawk the entire time, watching her hands. And I know that I certainly wasn't moving the cup. And as far as I could tell, she was not either. I do truly believe it was moving, though. And we asked its name, and it spelled out Victor. And we asked how he died, and it spelled out fire. And we asked if he was good or evil, and it said good. Now, we played with it for a long time, and I really don't think she was moving it. I don't remember too much more about what we asked, but I do feel that after that day, something followed me home. And as crazy as that sounds, I never had any weird or spooky experiences in my house that I can remember until that particular incident. Some example of the paranormal, my stereo volume would just start going up and down sporadically when I was in my room listening to music. I couldn't see the volume dial physically moving, but on the screen it showed the volume controls moving up and down as if someone was turning it. Now this happened many times. I would be in my room at my desk doing homework and I could hear someone walking up and down the hallway outside of my room, pacing. And everyone else would be downstairs and it sounded like footsteps walking down the creaky hallway. And I always felt like there was someone watching me from the doorway to my room, kind of like I could see something from the corner of my eye, but when I faced it, nothing was there. I was super freaked out at the time in particular when I was lying in my bed trying to fall asleep, and I felt a distinct tap on my left arm. I felt like someone was using their fingers to push into my arm really hard and fast two times. It was fast and only happened that once, but it was so strange. Now, I flew out of my room to my mom, and she, of course, downplayed it because her and dad don't want to believe in ghosts and such things. However, she did call Papa to our house with his gun one evening when dad was out of town. Mom, Emily, and me were home in the kitchen, and we had just come home from the store, and you could hear her plain as day 
someone upstairs walking around. It was footsteps, not settling of the house, and it scared mom enough to call for help. Of course, no one was up there, and she still wouldn't admit that something weird was happening in our house. She still never has, really. These things just happened, and it became kind of normal to me, but still creepy. The lights would go crazy in my mom and dad's room. You know, they had touch lamps where all you had to do was touch them to make them come on, and sometimes you would just see lights in that room going crazy. My mom saw it, but always had another reason other than Victor. That was just crazy talk to her. Now, weird tapping on the walls in sets of three. Tim witnessed that. And one morning, he was at our house because he had spent the night. I had left for work that morning and was going to meet up with him afterwards. So he was just hanging around the house. And he thought I was tapping on the wall at him like a game or something. So he tapped back, and this went on for a little bit, back and forth. He said it freaked him out when he realized he was there by himself that morning. Now here's a good one. One afternoon I was getting ready to go to work and no one else was home. I was 21 maybe, still at home and not married just yet. I was in the upstairs bathroom putting on makeup and I walked into the bonus room to grab my phone that I had set on an ottoman in there. And as I left the bathroom and entered the room, I saw with my own eyes my phone fly off the ottoman and across the room. It didn't teeter on the edge as if I had placed it there just and just fell off by itself. It truly flew from the ottoman across the room to the front of the TV, about four or five feet away, I would say. Like someone just swiped it with their hands across the ottoman and made it fall off. It was scary and cool all at the same time. I guess that's the last thing I remember happening to me was when Mina was a baby. I spent the night there one night when Tim was out of town and I was sleeping in my own room, you know, and it had a day bed. So I slept on top of the bed and pulled the bottom bed out for Mina. Now, she was less than one at the time, not crawling yet as I remember, pretty tiny. And I was worried about her falling from the bed. So I placed a bunch of pillows around just in case. And I woke up in the middle of the night because she was fussing. And when I reached down to feel her, I couldn't find her. So I panicked and I jumped up. She wasn't on the bed. She was across the room underneath the rocking chair in the corner. Now, I guess that I can say with 100% certainty that some, that was something paranormal. Because she couldn't crawl or move much on her own at all. And the pillows were all how I left them. Not strewn about like she had rolled off um, and crawled away to get under the rocker. And I hope this is what you were looking for, and I hope that you don't think I'm crazy, but I do believe in ghosts, and I do believe that the Ouija board is legit. I was worried that it might follow me when I got married and moved out, but nothing like that goes on with me anymore. I guess he'll just hang out at Mom and Dad's, and you know, they'll never talk about him. Tiffany, thank you for sending in that story. It is appreciated. That was a creepy one. Um, I'm glad that you no longer experience those things. And for those of you who didn't hear my disclaimer at the beginning of that story, I uh, do not endorse the use of a Ouija board. I think they're evil. I think they open the door to things that, that if you can't handle it and don't understand it, it's better left to someone else who does. So please don't use one, at this, especially at this time of year with the spooky and creepy. Let's keep it fun. Let's keep it happy. Let's enjoy this season of Halloween. 
And I hope you've been enjoying the series we've been doing here about Halloween, the traditions and some of the legends and lore that have have kind of made its way to our modern time that we still celebrate and the way we celebrate Halloween to this very day. So if you've got a creepier story experience and you want to share it, please send it to me at beardedguypodcast at gmail.com. That's beardedguypodcast at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. I would love to share your story on one of our upcoming episodes. So I thank you for your time. I do appreciate you coming back to listen to, to each new episode that we post. And I do appreciate you, the listening audience. And it is always my hope that you have a great day and a wonderful week ahead of you. And until next time.